0: So the topic of in-laws, a lot of you have been asking me. A lot of you have been damning me. Oh my gosh, I have a lot going on with my mother-in-law. I have a lot going on with my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, the whole bit. How do I handle this? Like, what do I do about this situation and that situation? Well, today we're diving into in-laws. When you get married into another family and you have issues that maybe you didn't expect were going to affect your life as much as they do affect your children, affect everything. Today we're going to dive into exactly how, um, the prophet, peace be upon him, his family, handled in-laws, how we can handle in-laws, how we can make it a bit easier and get some answers around the approach we should be taking and kind of how we should be dealing with day-to-day issues with our extended family. Hello, salam alaikum. Thank you for joining us here at Mindful Muslim Speaks, the podcast. We are helping you with all types of issues that us Muslim women go through in really practical and actionable ways. So, today you're going to get a lot of answers on kind of what is the Islamic approach that we're supposed to be taking and kind of some um, advice, some simple advice on how we can handle in laws. Now, keep DMing me your amazing questions because what I think I'm going to start to do in the podcast, and I've been thinking about it for a while. Is I'm going to start to feature some questions that you guys have been asking me. And, um, Everybody has all different types of situations. Some people live with their in-laws, some people live separately, but they feel like they live with them because they're all up in their business. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And so there's some really beautiful things about in-laws and there's also a bit of challenging things. And so we're gonna look at both today and kind of have a well-rounded approach to dealing with in-laws. So really excited about that. And if you don't know me, my name is Mindful Muslim. I'm a licensed educator of 20 years, a mom of five and a big sister to the community, tackling all types of things related to parenting, homeschooling, life hacks, organization, health, um, self-care, self-love, all that great stuff that we need to have. We go through a lot as Muslim women, and that's why I've been inviting so many of you guys to our Thrive membership, to our Thrive community, where we're going to have a ton of free, like as soon as you get in, you get access to free mini courses, a vault of resources, an entire community of women just like you who want to thrive. We're going to have challenges. We're going to do so many things together and a depth you've never seen. It's not a and commenting and posting community guys it's not like that it's way more advanced so super excited if you haven't already the applications down below hope to see you inside as the doors are opening and we have a special offer for people who are actually one of our first groups to come in all right guys so let's talk about in-laws hmm now, the I, one thing I, I do want to say is I'm going to tell you how I'm going to format this podcast. I like to be super organized, as you guys know. It's something I do for a living as an educator for years. And I really, really think about how could you get like the most bang for your buck in the 20 minutes that you spend with me, right? So you're going to grab your coffee. Um, you're going to just really listen in and open your mind and open your heart. And what we're going to do is I want to talk not just about us. And I know it, it feels like it's always about us, like about us and our mother in law or us and our brother in law and how, you know, how they're affecting our husband and our relationship with their husband. Because, yeah, I I know you're going through that. A lot of you guys tell me that, and I get it. And I have my own in-laws, right? So we all have in-laws. It's not like that. We don't. But if we're married. But at the same time, I want to talk about not just us. I want to talk about a more well-rounded experience. I want to talk about how it affects us, how it affects our kids, and how it affects our husband and our relationship with our husband. So we're going to touch on it all because it's all interconnected. We can't just make it about us, guys, because we make it about us. It it says a lot about where we are. Um, We have to understand that when we get deep into issues, we have to pull back and always keep eye on the bigger picture, the bigger picture of what is going on and how we need to kind of um, make sure that we're taking an Islamic approach at all times. It doesn't always feel like – we're able to do that because things are so hurtful or things are so difficult. But it's what we're called to do as Muslims, as Muslimin. And we have to really understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He only loves us and He only does things that are good for us. And if we do have any challenges in our life, by the way, we know from, uh, from uh, Sahih ibn Bukhari that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Wants to do good to somebody, he afflicts them with trials. He afflicts them with tests. It only helps to elevate us. And at the moment, it might feel it might not feel like it, but it really, really does. And it's just always, always a blessing and a baraka. And um, alhamdulillah. So today, let's talk about how extended family, um, like the in the past, in the time of the Prophet peace be upon him. His experience with his extended family and how his experience with his extended family – I'm going to talk about more from the position of a child at first, and then we'll move into adult stuff um, – how it in, incredibly was incredibly helpful and pivotal – into how he became an immensely amazing human being, um, as we know him. And we don't we don't get to hear about this stuff enough, and I think it's really, really powerful. And then the second thing is we want to move into, like as women, how we can handle our in-laws in some very specific advice ways. So first, we're going to talk into the prophets, peace be upon him, his experience with his extended family, how that made him amazing. We're going to connect that to our kids, how it can also help to make them amazing, and how important this relationship we have that has given us a bit of trouble maybe is in, in actually forming not just their personality and their character and all that great stuff, but just the dynamics of our, our entire family. And then we're going to talk about some advice that has to do with us specifically as women, as wives, as mothers, and how we can um, deal with um, our in-laws on a, on a day-to-day basis and also make sure we do it in a way that's healthy for our marriage with our husband as well and kind of talking about that benefit and those boundaries with him as well. All right. So we're going to do this all really quick and all wrapped up. And by the way, if you are in the Thrive membership, we've already taken kind of like the cliff notes of this and put it into um, a really awesome PDF in the vault where you can access all the resources that you get from that community. So definitely want to point that out. So once you're inside, check that out. All right. So um, first, like, I don't want to get bogged down with all the names. It's really, really hard because, you know, in Islam, we have so many names. We have, you know, the son of the son of the father of this and that. So I'm not going to go deep into that right now because it will take up a great deal of time, honestly, in the podcast for me to do it. And it's not necessarily the focus of what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like the lineage of the lineage of lineage. But I will just mention how, you know, the names of the people in a very, very brief way. But I want to focus on the content of like the impact of extended family and in-laws, having them present and not having them present. Now I wanna point out a really common problem that a lot of women are going through and let's see if you can find yourself within the spectrum, okay? In many countries, women um, have their in-laws with them. They might live with them and they might be very involved in all of the way that they raise their children and they have their relationship with their husband. And some women have mother-in-laws who are very understanding and very supportive. And some might feel like they're a bit more controlling. And within the culture, it's just understood that she, this mother-in-law, she will have this immense power. Or that the, the husband, when he deals with the brothers, he will take, you know, their opinion. He will take his mother-in-law's opinion. He'll basically take his other family's opinion and not the opinion of his wife. Or that opinion will be taken over the opinion of his wife and what works for them. I've had women DM me and tell me basically that you know we are not doing well with our in-laws, but we have to stay with them. We have to live with them. And it's becoming unbearable because they are just always involved in everything. And my husband is constantly telling me he cannot you know, make the decision that I want, he has to listen to his mother or he has to go on his brothers and he doesn't understand why I can't just get it. And he doesn't understand why I always have to have a a strong opinion about them or say something negative. Why can't I just get along with them? Why can't I just, you know, be quiet and deal with it? Now, I will say that, We have to be really, really clear about what Islam says versus what culture says. And that's one thing I did an entire podcast, maybe I'll try to link it below, on Islam versus culture. Islam versus culture is a huge, huge issue in our community because a lot of born Muslims, they can't tell where um, their boundaries are between Islam and the culture. Just because people are Muslim doesn't mean they follow Islam, all right? I'm being honest here, right? Let me give you a perfect example. I was with a sister in Ramadan, and uh, we were talking about what breaks your fast. And I was um, sometimes for different, uh like uh, some halakha in, in, in one of the one or two of the messages that were close to my house at the time. And I was I was a teacher and I was, you know, doing the dars and I was explaining, you know, what breaks our fast. And one of the sisters was like, Psh, I know what breaks our fast, basal. I was like, basal, onion, onion breaks our fast. She's like, yeah, if you smell onion, whoo, breaks your fast in Ramadan. I said, wow, subhanAllah, how did you come up with that? And she said, everyone in my family knows that. We've been taught this for generations. And I said, subhanAllah, that is amazing because the majority, and by the way, the majority of that culture, I'm not going to say which one it was, their food was cooked with basal. Almost every single dish had basal. So I was like, wow. So if that's the case, there's no way you guys fasted the entire Ramadan because I know the house was full of the smell of basal. So we're like, yeah, we try to hide ourselves from it see people making their life difficult when actually that was not even one of the conditions for breaking uh, wudl, uh, breaking your fast, excuse me. And so subhanAllah, just because our families have passed things on for generations generation doesn't always mean they're correct. So I just wanted to point that out here in everything that I'm saying, because you might have heard some things from your in-laws, some things that you're supposed to do, but we have to remember to choose a spouse that is really more interested in grounding themselves in Islamic text and Islamic proof than their cultural mannerisms. And I got to be honest, guys, because my husband and I, whenever we have difficulties or differences, we say, wait a minute, can we check the Islamic sources on that? And once we do, we both agree because we made this agreement when we got married that we would follow that over our culture. So sometimes I think this is the way and, and he thinks this is the way, but when we get down to it, we go, oh, subhanAllah, that's the answer. Kalas, we're going to deal with that. And that's, that's really the ideal situation. And I'm going to give you some insights right now into the life of the prophet, peace be upon him, and his in-laws and kind of that. But the other thing I want to say just before I do is other than having that pressure and in-laws close to you, a lot of women suffer the opposite. And that's why I want to highlight it all. In many countries, women have to raise children alone with no help. I know a lot of women like that, especially here in the States when their family is back home. It's really, really tough, right? During their pregnancy, there's no one to help them when they're sick. Sometimes they get bedridden in pregnancy. After a new baby is born, you know, they don't have that support and help. They have to go back to work. They don't have anybody to help them with their kids. They have to throw them in daycare with random strangers that they don't necessarily, um, they're not necessarily Muslims and follow Islam. And then when their kids become teenagers, and this is a big one, guys. I have a lot of women call me about their teenagers, and I will do a podcast on teenagers, although I already did one. I, I'm gonna be honest, I did a light one called I think it was Young and Muslim. If you go back, scroll back, Young and Muslim. And you know, subhanAllah, um what I want to say about that is I have teenagers that listen to this podcast. I have women who are just entering college, women who are parents, who are new parents, women who are like 40, women who are 50. I have women probably from the ages mostly of 18 to 45 listening to this podcast. We have an array of women. So whatever I do, I'm really, really conscious that we have to speak to all of our women So when I did that podcast, just so you know, I did it in a very 50-50 way. I spoke from the position of the mother and I spoke from the position of the teen. I made sure we were bridging the gap between mothers and teens and we were not like wedging one against the other because that is just not productive, right? So if you are interested, I'll try to see if I can link that one below, but definitely go back and go to that one if you're interested. But for the teens, what I'll say here is when kids get a certain age, mostly after 14, they're just not going to listen to you anymore. They're not. They're not. And so that's why the Prophet, peace be upon him, he really reinforced that from zero to 10, the influence on children is incredible. In laws and extended family have an incredible like role to play in this. And so what we have to understand is us just cutting them off or us not having them in our life is really not an option because it's not even healthy for them. In fact, the prophet, peace be upon him, told us don't even spend three days without speaking to certain family members. Now, there is something called the beautiful distance, and I will touch on that a bit, but I don't want to get into matters of fiqh because it's not my forte. But at the same time, I do want to say that I do um, understand that certain things resonate with you guys in terms of like Certain stuff will just never change and it might be toxic and we might just have to spend some time beautifully distancing ourselves in periods of time from our in-laws and I get that too. But for the most part, we should be close to them. And let's talk about how amazing these, the extended family can affect our family and our life and our children and just create a harmonious atmosphere when done correctly. So, the Prophet, peace be upon him, um, many of us might not be aware that his mother, Amina, we know we didn't see a lot of her and in, in her life that was um, mentioned to us, but she had a very close relationship with her in laws. I think it's really, really important to note that. How did the Prophet, peace be upon him's mother? Deal with her in-laws. Come on, guys. Because this woman did such a phenomenal job, don't get me wrong. We know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the prophet, peace be upon him, for for us um, as our our, uh, prophet. But she did an amazing job and she created a perfect atmosphere from him for him in order to be raised in a healthy way. So all of you guys, when you're thinking about your in-laws, you simultaneously, like I do, have to think about our health of our children. So what did she do? So um, the relationship between Amina and her mother-in-law, Fatima, Um, was a close one, and it actually didn't even end after Abdullah's death. You know, So we know that the Prophet, peace be upon him,'s father, Abdullah, he died. And so imagine she's in that relationship, very close relationship, tight quarters in that sense, with her in-laws, and now her husband isn't even present anymore. Amina had settled in Mecca, right, deciding not to return to her own father's home. And so there she is. She's she's dealing with her in-laws, and the fact that Abdul Muttalib, He covered all, and that's her, you know, the the in-laws, covered all of Amina's expenses, suggests that the relationship between the wife and the husband's family remained good even without the husband's presence. So we're talking about an ideal situation here. Now let me tell you something. I want you to imagine, do you think everything was roses all of the time? never. It's not even possible, guys. We're talking about human beings. At the end of the day, even the prophets had to deal with really strenuous situations as they're human beings at the same time. And so Amina is a a regular woman just like us. Obviously, she's a beautiful, better mother than us, these beautiful mothers of the believers. But at the same time, We are thinking about a woman who couldn't have had a perfect situation. There had to be situations that sometimes rubbed her the wrong way. But what it shows us is that she maintained this beautiful relationship. So she knew when to push forward, when to pull back. And the tug of war between a mother and daughter-in-law is actually an age-old phenomenon, commonly kind of like the stuff of jokes and Greek tragedies. But Amina's example can basically provide an inspiration for a wife to forge strong relationships with their in-laws and you know at the end of the day what i want us to understand is um the prophet peace be upon him was an orphan but he wasn't alone this is really huge for us to understand. He was raised by his extended family, which compensated for his parents' absence. And that's really, really important. And we heard so many stories um, of of these different important people in his life that really just influenced him in ways that just were constantly, constantly um, a source of inspiration for him. So let's look, for example, at um, the extended family's role in raising children just for a second before we get into ourself as women. The extended family's role in raising children has been on a decline. As we know, like they're not, it's not as deep as it used to be. Before, it used to be like deeply rooted. Everyone lived in the house of the in laws. We know people are starting to get their own houses, their own apartments. They're living separately. They're seeing our in laws less and less and less. And that happened a lot. There was a lot of a transition into like moving away from our in laws in the industrial revolution in Europe. And it chipped away at that extended family's role. And the same thing happened in kind of like out of society as the extended family role weakened, weakened. And the nuclear family was kind of born alone with this responsibility of raising kids. And see, if you live in a community, where you're in a house with multiple adults, it's a lot easier if everybody's speaking the same language. And this is something I teach women a lot when I teach them about parenting. Having this common language is really, really powerful. You and your husband being on the same page about how much tech time your kids get. You and your husband being on the same page about when bedtime is and when it's not. About how we handle when, when children hit one another. Being on the same page between you and your spouse is critical same thing with the in-laws. Um, I've had situations where family members have told my children they didn't have to listen to me. They didn't have to listen to me and, and, and you know, because I have a mix of family in my family. I have some Muslims. I have non-Muslims. And so the non-Muslims said they didn't have to listen because that was Islamic stuff and Islam was no good for them. And so you have to understand how incredibly detrimental that is to that child as they hear that information, to hear and be confused that one child is saying something, one adult is saying something is good for them and one is not. In the Prophet, peace be upon him, situations, that wasn't the case. Everybody was on the same page and they were very very strong Muslims. His extended family were very practicing. And the components of, of the Prophet peace be upon him, right? His name um is Muhammad Abdullah Abdul Muttalib Hashim Abd Manaf And so all these different names like this one this one this one this one they were really very really, um each one of those were very powerful people um you know in, in their in their time and incredible influences on the Prophet peace be upon him. For example, um Qusay, right? He was born in Mecca and he was feeding the visitors of Mecca. He was providing water, yogurt, honey to the pilgrims. He was maintaining the Kaaba. He was bearing the war banner. He was basically taking care of the community and promoting and promoting like this community feel. And so the prophet peace be upon him, he got this, um, you know, he, he got this, this, her- he has this heritage of people who have just been serving so serving the community. Um, Adminaf, while was responsible for providing food and water to the pilgrims, a responsibility he passed on to his son, his son Hashim, the great-grandfather of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And, you know, like, this responsibility of taking care of the people, providing them, you know, with uh, with water. And um, Abdul Talib himself discovered the Zamzam well while digging water. And it was the dream of basically every Makkin to, to find this water of Zamzam, which was buried in the Jirham tree Tribe. And you know, as much as Zemzem brought Mecca uh, a lot of life, it caused a lot of trouble between the the leaders of the Quraysh. And Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, in his lineage of his family, he saw his extended family members choosing to help to resolve conflicts, serve the community. So one thing I want to say for women that are looking for spouses who are not married, if if you are listening to this podcast, um. The importance of having marrying into the right family, to have this family that will continuously support and show your children the importance of servitude, and you know, at the end of the day, um, what I want you to understand is the point is not for me to mention zemzem and the discovery of zemzem here, right? But to rather emphasize the story's impact on Muhammad alayhi childhood when he heard it. As a story of human determination, uh, you know, to achieve one's dreams, to give back to the community, to never give up, regardless of situations, he has this extended family that is continuously showing him incredible adab and determination and resolve, and just the life, the life, the stories that he's been exposed to and the personal experience with which a grandmother or grandfather can talk and share with these children of ours is incredibly powerful for shaping their personality. So Tip one, marry into family that is religious, okay? Don't marry into family that is well-off just for the sake of them being well-off or because the guy has good looks. You don't really worry about the rest of his family or you like super into him so you're not worried about his grandfather. You need to get to know the family. It's something I teach in my marriage course that I have. You guys know it's closed right now, but in February it will reopen. But inshallah to Isla, like DM me if you're interested in that. But the truth is like I impress upon women how this can so incredibly impact your situation your you in-laws. Now, for those of you who already have in-laws and you're married and it's a bit past that time, I'm going to get to you now. I'm going to help you now with how you can deal with that. But I did want to point out that as you're going to marry your own children, I want you to put this in the back of your mind. Make sure that they are marrying people with incredible impact and just servitude to the community and just good adept and character because that will affect their children's children. And I want us to think long-term with our decisions unless about like immediate gratification and impact okay we have to think a bit more long term because that's how the prophet peace be upon him and his family members did they fed society they served society because they knew there were generations to come we need to shift our mindset to that all right let's talk really quick about um some important ways that we can work with our own in-laws and help our relationship with our husband and so that we can really really um make the most of our relationship with our in-laws but also to create that healthy environment for all of us all right, so let's dive into some advice I have for you on um, basically the issue of in-laws, some tips for you after being married 20-something years, after teaching in the community that long, two decades, and hearing so many stories, and going under scholars and learning, and um, you know just constantly going through the Sira and seeing those beautiful examples, some advice to you in modern day about how to handle in-laws. Um, And I want you to take these with a grain of salt, but at the same time, I want you to keep your open mind and your open heart because even though your situation is hard, I promise you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it to you for a reason. You have it for a reason. If you wanted to not give it to you, you wouldn't have it. So we need to start thinking just before I say these about, instead of why is this happening to me, what can I learn from it? Instead of why, what is Allah trying to show me that I need to do with myself that I need to learn from this, right? So here's some tips. Number one, remember that your spouse's parents have known your spouse longer and love them longer, and so there's an intensely deep relationship. Never, as a wife, I'm going to tell you this, pin your husband, it's them or me. It's them or me. You know, it's either you listen to them or you listen to me. That will backfire on you immensely because that's going to drive a stake between you and your husband. It's going to put up a bit of a wall because now you're asking him to choose between his blood and you. And you're newer. I don't care how long you've been married, even if it's 10 years or 20 years, they've been with him longer, probably double. So that will never be something positive. And that's never something that was done in the time of the prophet, peace be upon him. Another one, if your mother-in-law has a problem with her husband, let them deal with it. Don't interfere. So if if your father-in-law and your mother-in-law are fighting and they start involving you into it, try to stay out of it as much as possible. If she insists on advice, mostly just kind of give her some kind Islamic reminders of having patience. Don't try to make any blatant stands on anything because it might backfire on you later on when they make up. Then she goes to mention to him some stuff that you said to her. And then now he's upset with you, your father-in-law, right? So just some advice there. Also refrain from telling your spouse how to improve their relationship with their parents. Try to keep your advice. I know we're so good at giving advice as women um, to a minimal. I'm going to be honest with you. Just constantly be a listener more than a talker when he has issues with his in-laws. He will look to you as a person... See, at the end of the day, our husbands want to feel like we just love their family. Even if we really struggle with them, he, they really want to know that we love them and we're into them as much as they're into them. And so when we show that we're not, it really is serious to them. And so, you know, that's just something that we're going to have to understand. That's just that family dynamic. Now, expect some adjustment time for parents after marriage to adjust to new relationships as well. So for example, if you're newly married and you have in-laws, expect that it's going to take them a couple years to ease the fact that you're there to use the fact that you that they can't just tell their son what to do anymore that you are now there this period of transition is totally normal if you're experiencing that just like i said try your best to stay on good terms understand this is a lifelong relationship and no matter what you do they are not going anywhere no matter how much you wish your mother in law would stop telling your husband what to do she's probably not so instead of wishing it would go away we're gonna think about how can I make this more feasible for all of us and easy for us, where we can get along, right? And always treat your your in laws with compassion, respect, and mercy. the The Prophet peace be upon him he he was always always good with everyone. You're never gonna hear him bickering with his in laws and going at it, and you're never gonna see Khadija or any of the other wives of the Prophet like go at it with their in-laws. This just didn't happen. Now, I know it's a different situation because in this case, the Prophet, peace be upon him, um, his parents were both passed at that time, but he did still have extended family members who were very vocal, right? Uncles and aunts and all these other people. So understand that it was always um, a lot of respect and a lot of listening and a lot of empathy and a lot of care and a lot of beautiful listening and beautiful patience, right? We're called to have beautiful patience. Beautiful patience is not you like, nodding your head and pursing your lips and biting your lips and going like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> like that's not beautiful patience, guys. We're talking about like, Alhamdulillah, Allah put me in this situation. I accept and I know I'm going to make the best of it. And what I want you to do is, you know, avoid involving yourself in as many quarrels as possible avoid, avoid putting your two cents into advice in as many situations as possible. And, Um, under no circumstance forbid your spouse from seeing their family unless you fear for their religion and safety. So for example, let's say you have family that is just like always constantly like they're doing drugs or haram stuff and crazy parties and like, cause our families that they're Muslim, but they don't practice guys. Let's just be real. Um, then you're allowed to practice some beautiful distance. Now the the details of beautiful distance, um, it's something I'd rather you get from a scholar, but I'm going to throw it out there because I want you to understand that there are periods, periods of time where it might be dangerous for your children to be around extended family members, and it might be dangerous for you even, because you're going to find they're just, you know, throwing kinds of parties, or they're doing things that are un-Islamic, or not really aligning themselves in ways, and kind of causing a um, a difficulty for you in terms of practicing your religion, and that's something you're going to have to understand and try to create boundaries around. But I did want to mention that in Islam, there is this ability, but everybody for their own particular situation really, really should seek a scholar to help them and get some inside insight. If it is a deep issue where you feel like you need to completely pull back from your in-laws. And I want to say that a lot of the time that in-laws have problems with us as women, as, as, as wives, it's because they feel like we are controlling the husband. They feel like we are having too much control. They used to love having control, and now we are telling them things, and they're not listening to them as much as they're listening to us. They want them to make decisions the way they want them to make decisions, and here we are stopping the process. So we just have to, first of all, just be sensitive to that experience. Um, We need to stop thinking that they're, like, evil plotting, even though some people will say they actually are. But let me just give you some beautiful advice from the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says to us, they plot, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of plotters, the best of planners. So the thing is this, if let's pretend you have an in-law that is like super, super on your case and you feel like they're doing evil things to you. And th- I'm going to be really honest because this happens in certain communities for people who are less practicing, right? Or maybe they're even going to put like the eye on you, like the evil eye on you. And these are real things that the Prophet, peace be upon him, experience. Um, and I'm not going to get into that. Like I'm not into like, you know, too much crazy stuff about like gin and all that, guys. This is stuff that like people go into YouTube videos and like just – Don't do it. Don't go down that route. It's not something that the Prophet Peace be upon him. He didn't indulge in like understanding what happened with jinn and understanding what happened with evil eyes and magic. I've had women call me and complain that you know they have brain tumors because it was you know black magic put on them from their families back home, or somebody got married newly and now they're finding they can't conceive and they think it's black magic. You know, there's all types of things you can do for those situations. And what I just want to say, kind of in a nutshell, with that is is definitely go to the right people if you really feel you truly have a situation there are things to do with that. I'm not going to go into it in a podcast right now. It's just not the appropriate way in time. But What I will definitely say not to do is never go to a soothsayer or a person who's going to read stuff to you or ask you for pieces of hair or ask you to write down little, you know, who's going to scribble things. And sometimes people, by the way, are dressed in jilbabs and, and kufis. It's really quite scary. And I have actually met people and seen these situations and seen them in the offices of these people. So just keep away from them because the Prophet, peace be upon him, said that our salah will not be accepted for 40 days if we go to these people. This is extremely haram. Do not do these things. Do not ask for protection for any of these things. And I'm speaking, a lot of people I know from certain countries, there's a lot of black magic, and I'm not going to throw those countries out. But like, it is not Islamic. This is from the time of Jahiliya, And I just want to be really clear about that right? Do not delve into that, that we have ways to protect ourselves If we feel that people are harming us, I will just mention some simple things right now that you should be doing. Um, And like I said, if you have extreme situations, you want to go get some particular advice, that's your forte. But what I'm going to say right now is for us, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he taught us in the morning to make our morning adhkar, right? To say that this the dua, whether it's falaq and nas and all these things. And to say the particular morning, Adhkar, that and in, 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 you know, you don't have to DM me and ask me what they are. If you have Fortress of the Muslim, this is a, a something that everybody should have. It's probably like a, a cost two, three dollars USD and in your country maybe cheaper. And you can get these probably in Dar Salam or online little dua books and how to protect yourself, these beautiful protections. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, you know, he will protect us from anyone that will harm us. And and there's no reason we should be walking around in fear of our in-laws or anything they might do to us because of anything particular with any type of black magic or anything like that. And yeah, I know it's weird that people might say, why are you going to black magic with in-laws? Because I'm telling you, a lot of people DM me about that stuff. They talk to me about that stuff. And I'm just keeping it real because that's what we do here. We talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, right? And at the, at the same time, we have to think about these beautiful situations as well. In-laws are incredibly important in our life. They're incredibly important in our children's lives. I've told people many times, especially when I go into, um, in, in June and February, I usually open our marriage course. And one of the big things that people have problems with after marriage are in-laws. People don't realize it. One in three people get divorced. And when they look at the huge statistics of why they're getting divorced, a lot of times it's miscommunication, money issues, and in-laws. So it it behooves us not to understand how to deal with our in-laws. And if we are looking for a marriage, we have to understand the importance of not just investigating the guy, but the extended family as a whole. Because sometimes the guy is fine. We have no problem with our husband, alhamdulillah. But sometimes the extended family is the thing that will, you know, put us over the edge in terms of our relationship. And so I encourage you. That's why the Prophet, peace be upon him, says the best of people to get married to is for the sake of religion, not for, you know, the beauty and the status and the money. Because in the end, it's what's going to give you that long-term success. So in terms of just what else can we do with the in-laws, and just like, I just want us to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he says that that we he will protect us in a way that even if everyone was gathered against us, they couldn't harm us except, you know, what Allah allowed. And even if everybody gathered to help us, they couldn't help us, the Prophet, peace be upon him, tells us this, right? Except what Allah allowed. So Allah is always in control. There's never a moment where things are out of control and your in-laws are going to go haywire and do things to you that Allah is not completely in control of and aware of. So if you want the beautiful protections, then do exactly what the prophet peace be upon him did if need needed protection, if you do need that. So I just wanted to say that. So in closing with the in-laws, what I want to say is Create these – the way to ease tension, okay? So let's work backwards here. The way to ease tension with in-laws, if you do have issues with your in-laws, is to create these amazing opportunities for them to have access to you guys at, at times of the year when they could be predicting it. Like, aid is great we have two aides, but they're just two times out of the year. Maybe they miss you guys, but they don't know how to say that. They don't know how to say they miss their, you know, their son and they want to see him more or their grandkids. And they don't want to invite themselves over because they feel like they're waiting for you to invite them. You guys have to invite them over. Create regular times, at least once a month where they can come over for a meal. Um, Keeping the ties of kinship is really important. It will ease tension because they'll feel like they get to see you. If they're going to say things during the conversation, you're, just gonna smile you're gonna nod guys you're supposed to treat them in the same way as your own parents how important is your mother right Jen is at the foot is at the foot Jen is at the foot of your mother so I want you to look at your mother-in-law in the same way and you're like gosh they're nothing like my mother I would never da, da, da. no don't look at them like this our mother-in-laws are extremely important they gave birth to the beautiful people that we love right they give birth to our husband our husband husband is is someone that we love dearly and this is the person who gave birth to him we should give our mother-in-law the most utmost respect and when she disrespects us and does crazy stuff, she might not always mean it. We have to pull out that 70 excuses, guys, and start exercising it. And and the Rasul Sallallahu he explained to us that we have to forgive people. We can't hold grudges against people. If we want the forgiveness of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala, we have to forgive them. So remember to always look at our in-laws with complete mercy, kindness, and empathy. And everything that they don't understand or they don't do right in our eyes, we have to make excuses for them. Visit them, and when you can encourage your spouse to visit them, and regularly, check on them and keep ties of kinship. This is what the great mothers of the believers did for their in-laws, guys. I'm just telling you the honest truth. And these days, we tend to have this whole, like, you know, do what you gotta do, like, do me, and all that stuff. And that's complete nonsense and un-Islamic. And I'm gonna call it out right there, right? Keep ties with your in-laws. I know it's hard. It's not always easy. If you're really struggling with a taala in the time of sujood, especially in the deep night, call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have never in my life had a problem that Allah subhanahu wa did not fix in the time of sujood in the deep night. Now, I know this is a bit longer than usual, guys, but I honestly wanted to, to give um, like time to all those women that have been just asking me about in laws and in law situations and just let you know that this is an incredibly important relationship, not just for you, but for your children. Um, in laws, are extended family is a huge part in the psychology and the healthy. Um, psychology and um, just emotional well-being of your child, raising them in this environment, um, you know, and also lessens the burden of our parenting. And the prophet, peace be upon him, like he said, he was an orphan, but he was raised by his extended family. And he learned about generosity, leadership, persistence from encounters and stories from his relatives, and these are things that created an an incredibly strong character in him. I cannot believe there are not positive things in your in-laws that you can think of. And if you have to, do the exercise of making a list of the positive things. I promise you, maybe you just haven't asked the right questions yet. Maybe you haven't found them yet. There are beautiful experiences and things we can learn from our in-laws and share with them. And let's just be kind to them because we are called to it. It's there right upon us in Islam. And if we really love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will love all the parts of Islam, not just the ones that are easy for us, not just the ones that we choose. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make easy for you your relationships with your family and your in-laws and your husband and your kids. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless and keep you and Gather us together in an even better gathering in Jannah al Aminya All right, guys. Thank you so much. Can't wait to catch you in the next podcast. If you have any more questions on in-laws or anything else, DM me, and I'll talk to you then. Assalamu alaikum wa Barakatuh.